Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of the Let's Go There podcast. My name is Brittany Cherry. I hope that you're healed, healthy. I hope that your mind and your heart are open to receive. And I hope that you're ready to be vulnerable and brave with me. This episode is more of an introduction to the show and an opportunity for you to get to know who I am as a person, what motivates me, how I'm inspired by all of you on your individual journeys, and what I think we can learn from each other. Hey. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it, period. Throughout my journey in life, I have been able to grow in amazing ways. Um, It hasn't been easy for me. Like I said, my name is Brittany Cherry. I had the last name Cherry. It's never easy for someone. (laughs) Um, From being a little girl and having my last name over-sexualized me and and, in school and all of the little boys like, hey, Cherry, can I taste your cherry? And I'm like, weirdo, (laughs) I'm fucking fifth grade here. But... I'm so glad that I went through all of these things that shaped me into who I am and and learning to be my authentic self. I'm glad that you're here right now. And I hope that the content that I'm going to make is going to be inspiring to you and that you have fun with it. I'm an inspiring media and radio personality, right? I've been featured on 104.3 Jams in Chicago with the legendary Rick Party. He's a great guy. I've also have a presence in the virtual space. So I was one of the creators of the very first radio show in the metaverse known as Bass Trap Radio. I'm a hip hop enthusiast, a lover of all things empowering women, being black, being in this space. I'm an avid pop culture consumer. I love educating myself on a wide variety of topics, including black entertainment, entrepreneurship, self-love, relationships music, you name it, art. I love art. Who doesn't love art? You can expect to hear all of that and more on the Let's Go There podcast. And it's my job to make sure that this space is both welcoming and relatable. I am a 30-something-year-old black college graduate. It took me a while to graduate college. (laughs) It didn't happen in a traditional way. I've been to both traditionally white institutions, and HBCUs. I have taken breaks from college. I've gone back. I've tried again. I've done, I've done all of that. But what was most important is that I didn't stop on my journey. I kept going. And I asked myself, well, <laughs> how did that happen? How did I just have the wherewithal to just not give up? I think it's in the human spirit to want to accomplish We don't always know how to get there, how the road is going to go, what lessons we're going to learn along the way. We just want to succeed. 
I've always wanted to succeed my entire life. I've wanted to be great. I didn't always know how to get to greatness, but I always knew that it was plausible. So I created this podcast as an extension of that belief, wanting to succeed. I am the daughter of a bank teller and a former radio personality. Can you guess which parent was which? (laughs) So my mom worked in a bank for over 20 years, and my father actually worked in radio. I have a very interesting relationship with my parents that we'll get into in later episodes, but what I will say is that I hope that my parents are proud of me. I hope that they listen to this and they feel, oh my God, something went right. (laughs) I hope all of your parents say that. So what inspired me to do this podcast? (sighs) Well, I like people. I like learning lessons. I like learning in general. I like listening to people's experiences because I feel like I can grow from that. I love media. I love radio. I love music. I love anything that's going to connect people together. One of my favorite quotes comes from the incomparable Bob Marley, in which he says, the greatest of a man is not how much wealth he acquires but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. Because we live in such a materialistic world these days, this quote has never been more important to me and should be important to everyone to remember that it doesn't matter if somebody is super wealthy, right? That doesn't make them important to listen to. The most important people to listen to are the people who have lived. They've lived life ups and downs. They've made mistakes. They've learned. They've grown. And that could be someone who's homeless on the side of the road, or it could be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But you treat them the same because there's something to learn from both of those people. I was born in Durham, North Carolina. I'm a proud North Carolinian. (laughs) North Carolina is a great state, the Tar Heel State. But Durham in particular is known as the Bull City or the City of Medicine. And did you know it's the startup capital of the South? So if you're looking for a startup, you probably need to try the RDU area in Durham, North Carolina. It's a two-hour drive from the beach, three-hour drive from the mountains, and the fourth largest city in North Carolina. Can you tell that I'm proud? (laughs) Durham is also home of Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street blossomed at the turn of the century and established Durham's urban epicenter as the mecca of black entrepreneurship and innovators. This makes me so proud to be from a place where the culture, the culture was thriving. And just like any other place like that, there was haters and it didn't last forever. But here I am, a product of the Black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. I'm a product of the 90s as well. I grew up in the 90s, and the 90s was such an incredible time to be a kid. If I have any 90s babies listening, you might remember shows like Doug on Nickelodeon or Are You Afraid of the Dark, Cousin Skeeter, and 
Wild and Crazy Kids, all that. Those shows really kind of just legitimately (laughs) were my childhood. I remember coming home from school and those shows were on and they were my happy place and the outside world didn't exist. Kids these days don't necessarily have that luxury. Everything is so digital and everything is you know, so adult for these little kids and they have to deal with so much violence and, you know, school shootings and and so much anxiety around the world. I consider myself really blessed to grow up in a time where, yeah, the world was still bad. Bad people still existed. But in the 90s, I don't know why, but the vibe was just different. It felt different. Had nothing to do with Bill Clinton being the president, even though people joke and say that he was our first black president because he played the saxophone had a little soul but I think it had more to do with the fact that I went outside I experienced nature I was on my bike I was with my friends I was camping in the front in the backyard and I felt safe to do those things um I empathize with kids these days because they don't have that that same childhood growing up in Durham was really interesting there were times and and places and things I probably shouldn't have been doing but I definitely learned a lot I was I wouldn't say that I was a tomboy but I definitely played sports in in school I was a cheerleader I played softball all of those things taught me teamwork (laughs) and also put a couple of scars on my legs um it's an enduring Uh, quality to be able to hit a ball (laughs) and do a cheer Um, but I was very blessed I I recognize my privilege to be able to be involved in school sports my very first job in high school was at food lion so if you're from the south it's a grocery store you know all about food lion Um, I didn't like that job to this day I don't really care for grocery stores they give me anxiety (laughs) Um, but my very next job after that was Lady Foot Locker. So if you're a sneaker head, you know how excited I was to work at Lady Foot Locker. I don't think Lady Foot Lockers exist anymore. They're long gone. But Lady Foot Locker, for those who were born (laughs) after the 2000s, Lady Foot Locker was a foot locker, but for girls. So it was really cool to be able to have a spot with all of the shoes um, and get them at like cheap prices. Cause I was wearing kid sizes. Um, I, my high school experiences were really fun. I actually had more fun in high school than I did in college, believe it or not. I won't, I won't say that I was the it girl, but I had a lot of fun. I was a free spirit in high school. I really enjoyed every single day of high school. I had friends. I I felt like I was pretty popular. But I think what I really enjoyed the most about high school was that I got to express myself. I, you know, drew. I was in chorus, show choir. <laughs> so I will not sing on the podcast, but just know I got a little vocal. I got a little vocals. Um, and I was part of the Black Student Union. I was in drama club I oh my gosh I think I did Spanish club for a little bit and still don't speak 
any Spanish. <laughs> um, I did track for like one day. I was like, fuck this shit. Like it. No, I'm not running. The only place I'm running to is to my bed after class because I was tired. Being a senior was really interesting, too, because I got a story that I know my friend from high school <laughs> will remember. I'm not going to call her out, but um, I had a box Toyota Camry. Like, that was my very first car. And you guys, let me tell you, when you had to, I had to knock on, I had to knock on the starter to get it to work. Grateful for a car, but my next car was like so much better than that. And I was still in high school when I had these two cars. I went through two cars in high school. Interesting story too. So I, um, we had lunch, senior lunch passes where we could leave, right? But you had to pay like $45. And I was like, I'm not paying this shit to leave, to go get something to eat. Again, you know what I'm saying? I'm working my little job at Lady Foot Locker. I'm trying to save all my coins for after school activities. You know what I mean? And so my best friend had her pass. I was like, look, I'm going to get in the trunk. They're not going to check the trunk. Like, I'm going to just get in the trunk. You drive my car. Boom. You go down the street. Let me out of the trunk. When I popped the trunk, this bitch was stooped down in the trunk like this, looking at me. I see her in the goddamn trunk. I see her see me see her in the goddamn trunk. I just caught you in the trunk of my car. You gotta say something to justify what the fuck I'm looking at. The fuck are you doing in the goddamn trunk? And then, you know, we're gonna go to cookout. If you're familiar <laughs> with cookout, you must live in North Carolina. Cookout is a restaurant that serves like literally cookout food. So it's like the after the club spots, you know, cookout lines used to be wrapped around. I mean, it was crazy. Parking lot pimping, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of shit going on at uh at the cookout parking lot. But during school hours, we were just going to go get food. So I hopped my ass in the back of my box Toyota Camry to leave <laughs> and go get cookout. I can't make this shit up. And at some point, I think they started to check the trunks. So, like, I think I ended up having to break down and buy in a pass or have my friend just go out and get us food. I have no idea. But memories like that are something that I will take for the rest of my life. Also, another thing that happened in high school that I will not ever forget was um, prom. So a lot of people have, like, on memories of prom some people don't some people didn't have dates some people didn't like their hair their dress you look back at your prom pictures and you're like what was I thinking I had a little combination of all of that right so I was liking this guy I was really digging this guy and I was like I want to go to prom with you you're my prom date so I basically in so many words told this man that he was going to be my prom date and like you know what I'm saying? Thinking, being dumb and naive, thinking like, okay, he's going to get his tugs. He's going to get his tugs, whatever. And I'm I'm cringing telling this story because like, ugh. So here comes, like, it gets closer and closer to prom. And I'm like, yo, do you have your tugs? Like, this is the color of my dress. What's going on? So I'm still putting my faith that this man is going to show up for prom. Um, I got my makeup done, my hair done. I've been working my job at Lady Foot Locker, so I'm saving all my coins up. I get a $400 dress from Cache. Cache, um, I don't know 
how many places Cache, how many malls Cache was in. But Cache was kind of like this upscale kind of boutique-ish store. And the theme of my, my senior prom was like Arabian Nights, right? So it was like all of these really um, Mideastern colors, like the deep purples and orange and red and gold and all of that. So my dress was like this like um, peachy color, like with gold and peach, and it had a high spl- slit up the side. And I felt really pretty in that dress and spent a whole bunch of money for a, a, a high school senior, $400 for a dress. I mean, shit, as an adult right now, I probably wouldn't spend $400 on a dress. But many of us are spending $400 on eggs, which is another story. We'll get there. But I was just like, wow, you know. I'm I'm really going to look good. I'm really going to be that girl for prom. And of course, here comes prom night and nothing, nothing, not a sound. So I just assumed I did not have a prom date and I didn't. And my best friend at the time really was a gym, is a gym. She's still a gym, but we just had the best time. She still had a date. But I was her date, too. You know, like, we had the best time at prom. We were bouncing around. We were dancing. Really seriously turning lemons into lemonade. It really made me feel that there were really good, warm-hearted people in the world. And it also made me look at myself. Like, I was still worthy. The prom date or not, I'm still worthy. And to all of my ladies out there who... don't have a husband or or anybody by your side for those special moments a boyfriend or whatever you're still worthy you still get up and you still put on your makeup and your high heels and you do your hair and you look good and people may even ask you who are you looking good for but you're looking good for yourself you're doing it for yourself and that is so empowering because at the end of the day life is not about who you put the dress on for it's your why. Why do you put the dress on? Why do you do your hair and your makeup? You want to feel good. And I look back on that and I like I had the best time. Like I don't think that if I actually had that date that he would have been a good time. He probably would have been extremely boring. But that was my prom story. Hope I didn't bore you to death. But if he's out there and he's listening, you really missed out. Um Yeah. I hope you're not out there, Nick Cannon. You know what I'm saying? But if you are, I don't, I don't have anything against kids. I don't have them myself personally. I just don't want like 12. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, that was high school. Um, when I decided to go to college, uh, one of my decisions was like, what kind of college do I want to go to? I didn't have um, necessarily someone guiding me on schools, right? My father did graduate from Shaw University at HBCU. His sister, my aunt, did graduate from uh, the the university. uh, uh, Gosh, she's going to kill me if I get this wrong. Go Eagles, North Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina. Sorry about that. Um, But, yeah, so I had HBCU graduates in my family. But I also had people in my family who went to, you know, traditional college you know traditional white institutions um cousins who graduated from UNC Chapel Hill to go Tar Hills you know and so I really had examples of both HBCUs and traditionally white schools and I didn't know what I was going to do 
And I think what really made my mind up was, and I think a lot of people listening to this who are around my age can understand, was really watching a different world. When you were applying to colleges, was Hillman your first choice? Of course. I was accepted at Georgetown. When I turned him down, my guidance counselor threw a hissy fit. She said she couldn't understand why a girl with so much to offer like myself would, would limit myself at a school like Hillman. That's what she told me. It sounds familiar. She didn't understand. My great-granddaddy was all but accepted at this certain Ivy League school until he showed up for the interview. He went to Hillman, and he went on to become the first black circuit judge of Madison County, Virginia. He always told me, I was seven years old. Baby, you can go to school any place, but no school would love you and teach you to love yourself and know yourself like Hillman. I saw how much fun they were having. I saw the conversations that they were having, the things that they were learning, how everyone seemed so sophisticated, yet young and spirited and free. And, you know, they had relationships and they were experiencing love. They were experiencing loss. They were experiencing fun. And everyone around them looked like them. And my high school was extremely diverse, but it still wasn't like a HBCU. And I, I really wanted to experience that. So in 2006, I was accepted into Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina. I currently am a resident of Charlotte. I love Charlotte. Charlotte is a great city. But going to Johnson C. Smith was such an incredible experience when I first got there. I got to see all of these people from all over the world and the United States. I think we had some international students, but definitely all over the United States. People from New York, D.C., Chicago, California, Portland, Florida. And I was like, oh, my gosh. They brought their their hometown culture to the school um, I got to experience seeing probates and coordinations and homecomings, and I was part of the fashion and dance team. I got to experience a roommate and going through the trials and tribulations of roommates, and we will talk about college roommates in another episode because <laughs> I have my fair share of stories, but I got to experience all of that, and my freshman year, I remember like, it was so fun. I, I got to be involved in so many activities. And, you know, all of the upperclassmen just seemed like they was really laid back. I didn't see, I didn't feel out of place. And I think that that was solidifying my reason for attending an HBCU. I love that it's Black History Month and I get to talk about HBCUs. Um, HBCUs are wonderful schools wonderful institutions. According to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund website, historically black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs, were established in the United States in the early in the 19th century to provide undergraduate and graduate level educational opportunities to people of African descent. Black students were unwelcome at existing public and private institutions of higher education even after passing a specific legislation resulting in a lack of higher education opportunities. 
So, yeah, black students weren't welcome in these traditional private and public institutions because of racism. We all know that. But I love the fact that historically black colleges and universities exist because it is a place in which black students could feel welcome even today. Even with all of the things that we see in the media, with racism still thriving today, there is a place where we can go and feel seen and heard and absolutely um, be able to have all of these other black educators around us and see examples of people who look like us thriving in spaces. Um, I would love to see us thrive in the tech space more. I would love to see us thrive in medicine. And I would also love to see us thrive in in office and legislation, making the laws so that we are able to feel safe at home, safe in our homes, safe at our jobs, safe on the streets. It is really important that we vote locally, which gets me into this kind of soapbox, which I don't want to be on for too long. But you all know the importance of getting out to vote in your local elections, because the local elections are really what affect what happens in your own neighborhood, what happens with your children's education, and also what happens with your within your community. And being a part of that is so important because your voice matters, your dollars matter, and also you want to see the community in which you live thrive. There's so much gentrification happening across America where people are being pushed out of their neighborhoods for you know, high-end condos and restaurants and all of that. I've seen it happen in D.C. when I briefly lived in D.C. Um, I saw a lot of the architecture around this very historically black town and city just change and, and people get pushed out into the outskirts of Maryland because they can't afford to live in a place that their grandfather and great-grandmother and all these people lived. So arm yourself with information and knowledge about how you can become more informed about local elections. Arm yourself with knowledge about historically black colleges and universities. Um, it's a great time to do it during Black History Month just to, to get that knowledge up. I fully support uh, higher education in any form. I just want to say that, you know, if you are not at a historically black college and university and you're a young person, listen to this, don't want you to feel bad, but I do want you to make sure that you're educating yourself. Um, there are things that I was taught at HBCU that I don't believe were part of the curriculum at other universities that I attended. So it's really important that you stay knowledgeable. So the year is 2008, and the 44th president is sworn into office, President Barack Obama. I was still in college at this time, and I remember feeling so proud, so grateful to be able to witness history. Um, and then, you know, I was still hanging on to this pride, but then the market crashed, you know, the, the recession of 2008 hit, so then you know, being able to continue to afford school was increasingly more difficult. My mom had lost her job in 2007, right when my grandmother passed away. So it was such a financial burden to be able to afford a college tuition of $22,000 a year. 
So due to that financial reason, I had to briefly, not brief, not so, not so briefly looking back on it, but I had to, I had to stop attending college. And that was, um, that was hard. That was heartbreaking. Um, because I, I so wanted to graduate during that time. I mean, fast forward now, I am a college graduate, but I definitely had to double back. It was hard because I had to go into the workforce and I don't think that I was ready. I didn't have my degree. I was so close. And back then, I mean, we're talking seven twenty-five an hour and living back home with my mom and trying to figure it out and trying to, you know, being so caught up in like social media. I mean, at that time, I'm seeing people that I went to school with thriving. I'm seeing them graduate. I'm seeing them get great jobs. I'm seeing them travel. And the thief of joy is comparison. I was sitting there comparing my life to, to, to what I saw on social media. And that's the worst thing to do. I was young. I was afraid. I didn't have a plan. And I didn't understand mental health. And a lot of us to this day still struggle to understand mental health. What does it mean? What do I need? Who can I talk to? And then I wanted to talk to someone who I felt could relate to me. I did end up going into therapy. And going into therapy opened up a lot of closed suppressed things um from the years prior my insecurities my issues with my father my issues with my mother my issues with my brother everything came out on the table during therapy and I highly suggest that everyone try therapy because you are forced to face yourself the therapist isn't there to do anything but hold up a mirror for you so that you can see yourself clearly and so that you can come to the best solution for you and how in the future to use the skills that you've developed to solve problems, decrease anxiety, and also, in a sense, take the emotional part out of decision-making so that you can see the situation and the the issue face on in an analytical way. I know for me that's what it did. Um, it wasn't easy, though. Cracking up that Pandora's box <laughs> of emotion is never easy, but it was necessary because I don't believe that I would be here today if I didn't do some type of work, some type of healing work. I'm a strong believer in healing because we carry around wounds from past relationships, from our upbringing with our parents, and from our anxieties and insecurities. And we bring those into our new relationships. And we are almost expecting our partners to fix us, to for God to magically make all of our problems go away. And we don't realize that we have to do so much work that healing is a lot of work. And it's scary because you never know what's going to come up. It's kind of like throwing up, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I ate that last night. Oh, God, you know, oh, what is that? 
that's kind of how therapy feels because things that come up you haven't seen in a long time you haven't properly dealt with and you're just nervous you're scared about it but it is necessary and in prior uh prior situations where I didn't have therapy I know that I would have dealt with situations in an unhealthy way and looking back on that now I'm so grateful for it um I do have my cousins to thank for suggesting therapy for me and we all need a friend, a cousin, a sibling, someone to say, you know what, if you're not okay, that's okay. And let's, let's get you some help. So I hope that anyone who's listening to this and who is contemplating going to therapy or is in a place where they feel depressed or need someone to listen to them, therapy is a great, great option. So after taking my break from college, I worked for a while, and then I found myself in a relationship, maybe my first significant relationship as an adult. This relationship was probably my biggest hurdle in life and my toughest lesson to learn about men. In further episodes, I'll go into detail, but what I will tell you is that that relationship was not healthy and it was abusive. And coming out of that relationship, today I feel so grateful for the lessons that it taught me, but also I feel empowered to tell my story. And I will. Just keep listening. It'll be in in future episodes. But if there's anyone who is out there who's listening, who's in a abusive relationship, what I want you to know is that the fear that you have, that you will never find anything better or that your life will be worse if you leave or any all of those fears, everything that you're thinking is completely valid. But I want you to know that it's not true, that it is a lie. That you will come out of that relationship so happy that you left and that you're alive and that you have another chance, another day to find who you are, to find yourself and to blossom into the person that you're supposed to be. And I hope that you continue on to that journey. Upon leaving that relationship, I found myself back in North Carolina. (laughs) and I soared after that I started going to work I got like three jobs I was you know on my hustle and then I it's coming full circle now because then I went back to school and I completed and got my four-year degree I, I finished and I finished strong and I ended up graduating from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm so grateful to be a degree holder. And the reason why is because that was something that I always wanted to to have, something I always wanted to complete. And anyone out there who might be listening to this podcast and you're thinking there's something that I want to do, there's a goal that I want to have, you know, I it took me a long time to to come circle back around to that goal. 
It didn't happen overnight. It didn't didn't even happen in a couple of years. It took a while, but it happened. So if you stay focused on what your goals are and you stay determined, you never know what can happen. I'm a strong believer that our minds are so strong and we just have to stay the course. If it's something that you want in life, it doesn't matter who's doubting you. It doesn't matter if you're even doubting yourself. You just have to stay the course. So that was a whole lot about me. And I hope that it's giving you some insight about who I am and some of the things that I might be talking about on the podcast. So I want to tell you guys about dating and relationships as a young adult. Brittany in relationships <laughs> as a young adult. Honest. I'm going to give it to you honest. I ain't trying to be lying, ducking, hiding, hurting nobody's feelings. None of that. I feel like you single where we go together. You single where we go together. So how would you feel if I be telling people that I'm single because we go together? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing. Yeah. Hold on. It ain't no hold on. We go together now? Real bad. Okay. Whatever you say. I like that. And I'm going to tell you all about that on the next podcast. So if you stick around and you like what you've heard so far, check me out. Coming back at you with another episode of Let's Go There podcast with Brittany Cherry. Thanks for listening.